I'm uh, rolling on my end. And you? Oh, I'm rolling, dude. I'm rolling in the deep. <laughs> Isn't that a song? I'll outline back up. Um, it is Adele. You know that's Adele. Who? That. I, that's a good coffee mug you're drinking out of. You like that that's, mug? It's banana yellow. What is it? Is that a bowl? It's got... It's uh, Ferdinand. It's got the laughing cow on it, which is that... That brand of uh, what are they? I mean, they make cheese and yeah, some other things. Single serving cheeses. Yeah, and then and then it's got a little fun little message on the inside that says "La Vache Carie," which I think just means the the cow who laughs or the cow which laughs. Oh, yeah, the you're, a, you're a big mug guy. I love my mugs. You remember who you geeked out about good mugs with on the podcast? Not exactly. I mean, I geek Martin out about Sexton. Oh, Martin Sexton is oh, a big mug guy too. That's right, because I even I think he even had like one of his little jadeite green diner mugs with him yeah. when when we were recording. Yeah, I like mugs too. I just wouldn't. I don't think I quite appreciate them on the same level that you and Martin do. Yeah, I like I like them. I I think I think Marty likes them for this reason too. He like he'll get them as like souvenirs from places that he's been. This podcast is Modern Dadhood. It's an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. My name is Adam Flaherty, and I have two daughters who are eight years old and five years old. Well, my name's Mark Cheggett, and I'm a dad to twin boy toddlers. So this is our Father's Day episode, and it will be dropping on the Friday of Father's Day weekend, and... We have something pretty fun in store for our listeners after the interview. Indeed, we do. We're going to be doing a live episode at the grill. We're going to be cracking beers. <laughs> We're going to be... Wait, that's not what we talked about, is it? That's a different thing. It's we'll not do at that. all so That sounds like about. a great idea, though. I'd love to do that with you someday. We should do that. We should do Live like streaming a, from the grill. Yeah, live from the grill. That'd be a great episode. Write that down. Today's guest is Kendall Smith, who is a dad to one son, and he's joining us to chat about his awesome new book that he just released called Rookie Father, a playbook for men experiencing fatherhood for the first time. So we'll be catching up with Kendall shortly and after the interview to kick off Father's Day weekend. Uh, do you want to share what is going to happen? I do. We have queued up a series of ridiculous dad jokes submitted by our listeners. And we'll, of course, let the listeners decide whether they're good or not. But we also might we also might do a little bit of voting um, in real time. So stay tuned for that after our chat with Kendall Smith. I don't know about you, but I'm sore today. You're sore from being outside? Spent a lot of time outside this weekend because it was a beautiful weekend first of all did you get outside did you get outdoors a lot yeah we good so here in in northern new england where we live and record our podcast yeah the weather was awesome this weekend it's like the first sign the first real sign of summer i'm gonna do a i'm gonna do a chef's kiss i'm gonna do an asmr chef's kiss okay have at it 
don't know if that it was, was really uh, worth the uh, anticipation. Or not. I'm not gonna say underwhelming. It was just a little un. Uh, I think without the uh, visual accompaniment of the hand, it's it's uh, slightly unremarkable. That's true. I can do. I'll try. I can. Uh, nope. I don't think it's going to get any better. Actually, <laughs> not worth even doing it again. Yeah, I could sort of do like a, <laughs> and then like a, you know, like a, that's like, that's the sound of my hand rushing past. No, it's terrible. Yeah. It was an awesome, awesome weather weekend. We did some swimming. Well, my, my girls did a little bit of swimming in the ocean. I haven't, I didn't do that's it yet, but fun. I'll be in soon. Mm-hmm. We put on sunscreen both days and spent a lot of time outside. You guys too. Yes. Lots of yard work. My kids were less than thrilled about that being the reason why we were outside. Um, but they, they, they spent most of the time, you know, they sort of were going back and forth, which was actually really, really nice because we, my wife and I don't feel like we've really like been able to get yard work done in the way we like to, because the kids require so much attention, but they're pretty good now at like occupying themselves and they can come inside and get like a cup of water or whatever. And they're getting a little bit more self-sufficient. In fact, we were throwing that word around a lot this weekend and trying to teach the kids, you know, like about being self-sufficient and all of that. Yeah. And not coming to you every two minutes, needing something from you or needing your attention when they have each other's attention exactly, and are capable of doing at least some things on their own. Yeah. We're, I mean, you know, even at eight and five, we're still dealing with a lot of that same stuff and, and using that word a lot, uh, as well. Um, but we did a lot of biking this weekend Ooh. and, um, and that was awesome. So my nice. five-year-old, I'm like, I'm dying to get her off of training wheels. And she's like, for whatever reason, a little resistant to it. I think that with our older daughter, it was like maybe five or six that we did that. And she caught on really fast to, you know, balancing and riding a, a two-wheel bike on her own. I know my younger daughter will too. She's she's feeling a little nervous about it. But on her bike with training wheels, it's like anytime you go like up a little incline or the road's a little uneven, I feel like without being able to balance herself straight up and down like she'll just tip over yeah you know and i think that's probably why she's nervous about taking them off but in reality i'm trying to explain to her that when you take them off and you're actually balancing yourself you're not just gonna you're not gonna be leaning so you're not gonna tip over like that but yeah i'm my my lower back man when you're (laughs) you're trying to get a kid used to being on a bike um, yes and you especially like when you feel like you got to be right behind them or near them and sort of down at their height it's uh it takes a, a physical toll. Yeah. Yeah. It's killer. Yeah. We are, we got the uh, balance bikes for our kids. And the idea is that you, uh, you kind of Fred Flintstone with, with those bikes. So you're, you, you're like pushing on either side of the bike with your, with your feet as if you're walking, but you're actually sitting on a bike and they got really used to those really quickly. Our, our driveway is a big hill and really quickly they got like they got the hang of, of balancing on those and flying down that hill at a terrifying a pretty, speed. Pretty steep too. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. Like we're bit, this neighborhood is like built for sledding. It's just one giant yeah, hill yeah. after another. But we recently, well, I should say shout out to my, my brother, Brian for their birthday. He got them pedal bikes. But part of the idea behind the balance bike was easier transition to pedal bikes without training wheels. But I was hoping for less of the standing at a, uh, you know, at a half bend with one hand on the seat 
you know, yes, kind of yes. backbreaking thing that you're describing. Um, but uh, there's still a lot of that, but we're working on it. Well, you got a whole summer ahead of you. And like I said, with, with my older daughter, I mean, she grasped onto that really fast. I mean, there were, there were definitely several days of kind of holding on to her without the training wheels and letting her, you know, get used to balancing. But then it was my wife who just like was holding on to her and then was just like, all right, I'm going to let go. And she went <sighs> right up the street, did a loop around like a cul-de-sac. And I was terrified. I was like, am I really seeing this? Like, did you just let go? Like, and she was fine. Um, no major accidents. And, you know, this was a couple of years ago now. So she's a really solid biker now. But the new thing with her is, you know, at eight years old, she's looking for some independence. And um, and so I recently uh, allowed her to go off on her own for like a loop around our neighborhood, which I don't really know. You know, she's eight years old and mm -hmm. I feel like at eight years old I was doing that. Mm -hmm. But the neighborhood that we live in, it, it's great. Lots of families. But like cars will go too fast through our neighborhood. Yeah. And and I just get paranoid about like, even though I know that she will pay attention and be a responsible bike rider and stay to the side and just always be looking. I just feel like there are so many young people who are looking at their phones mm -hmm. that I just feel like I even just when we're not on bikes, I feel like I see cars just like drift, you know, and then like yeah. catch themselves. And, and that's what I worry about. Yeah. And she knows that, you know, it's, I say, it's not even you, it's the other, it's the other people on the road. It's the other drivers that I worry about. Yeah. And that's hard to, um, it's hard to explain to a kid. I know. I know. I think about that a lot too. Like, I feel like I'm going to want to trust my kids to just go and be out yeah. in the neighborhood. I mean, I, I feel really lucky. We live in a, it's one of these like big sort of never ending looping neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, not a big road at all. People do go a little fast once in a while, but to your point, it's like, I don't know. I think back to when I was a kid, I'm sure there was such a thing as distracted drivers, but I feel like the frequency or like the number mm -hmm. or, or like of reasons why someone might be distracted has gone way up. Right. You know, I mean like before back, it was cause they were looking at a map trying to, <laughs> you know, unfold a map to figure out where the heck they yeah, were. They had their old, what is it? McNally. Right. Was it Rand McNally? Those like <laughs> yes. the, they, they made them, it was folded, but it was still enormous. It just took up the whole yeah. view. Yeah. Your whole screen, your whole windshield. Anyway, I watched her, uh, I watched her ride off on her bike and I felt okay about it. And then I watched her come around the other side of the loop mm -hmm. three or four minutes later. And, uh, she was happy as a clam. Very proud of herself. <sighs> that's very cool. That's a big, yeah. big, that's a big step for her. Like that's a big moment. Yeah. It was a good milestone for her and she was, she was way ready for it. So that's, that's where we're at with bikes, but I'm looking forward to an awesome summer. I think it's going to be great. Um, and really, you know, a summer of growth and outdoor merriment for, uh, for all of us, really. Here's to growth and outdoor merriment. Clink. Clink. <laughs> Dads, we are happy to welcome Kendall Smith, author of... Rookie Father, a playbook for men experiencing fatherhood for the first time. And he's a father himself to an eight-year-old son. Kendall, thank you so much for joining Modern Dadhood. Thanks, Mark and Adam. Pleasure to be here and great to be on the show. 
how are things going with your family? I've got an, an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old daughter, so I, I know what my experience being a dad to an eight-year-old is like, and it's pretty crazy right now. So I'd love to hear about, you know, what's up with Connor? How's it? How's how are things? What is he into? It's a great time. I mean, we're just coming. Uh, into the, the nice warm spring season. We've got a pool in the backyard. He's got a friend out there now. Um, his sports are, they're slowly winding down. So we're having this nice little gap. So we're going to go fishing on Sunday probably. And it, it's a great time at the moment. Obviously you're here to to chat about your book, uh, Rookie Father. Mark and I have both spent some time with it, have been really enjoying it. Um, I think that your book is, it's a unique format, right? Because it's it's very long, but it's not, uh, intimidating. And that is because you uh, cover so many topics across so many chapters, but each chapter is only a page or two long, which, you know, makes it very approachable, very unintimidating, very um, easy to return to. I didn't feel like I had to start on page one and, you know, uh, read through it sequentially. I could easily find topics that are relevant to me and then bounce around. Uh, I wonder how you landed on formatting the book in that way. Yeah. So when I looked at how I wanted to approach self-help content, which this essentially is, but the, just that title self-help, it just, it does not resonate with men. We hate the word help. We never ask for it. We never want it. Mm -hmm. So I looked at this through the prism of like advice-driven content. And from that, I leaned on my experience when I spent about 10 years working a men's health website and magazine. And when you think about the way they craft uh, self-help content, it's about, it's suggestive, number one. It's short and succinct. You can get right to the point. And like the magazine, it's the book is skippable. So I really, I almost threw out the manual on how to write a self-help book because most of those books are written with 30-page chapters yeah. that no man is going to get through, especially a, a new parent, you know, the eight-month-old in the, in the crib, you're not going to be able to, to get into that level of detail. So I want to make it quick hits and most importantly, make it skippable for the reader. It's a really great format. And it, it's so funny when you, you, you talk about it through the lens of like a new parent when time suddenly becomes incredibly precious. And I mean, in an ideal world, you're picking up books like this before it gets there and you're sort of preparing yourself, which I think is, is a book like this would have been really handy uh, if I had it before my kids arrived, I would have loved something just like this book. Um, but it's funny. Yeah. Time be becomes so precious and you do have these fleeting moments. So being able to sort of grab something and not just take something away from it uh, that's useful in the moment, but it also like it gives you a sense of accomplishment. You're like, I just sat down and read four chapters and now I feel good about myself because I just learned something and it, it felt accomplished, you know, I feel accomplished at the same time. So yeah. it works on, it works on multiple levels. I wrote it that, you know, there's a section called your wife in that book and there's about 20 chapters. Mm. And if you pluck out one or two solid pieces of advice that is relatable to your life, your relationship, and the rest goes nowhere. Like that's, that's my intent. Is it not all the advice is going to stick? And then hopefully some people are going to gleam some decent advice from it here and there. And that's the whole point. So uh, you were with Men's Health then before becoming a dad. So I wonder how your experience writing, creating content for a male audience, some of whom presumably were fathers and working with a team of people, presumably some were parents, how that shaped 
how you approached writing this book, you know, after having become a dad, if that makes sense. My experience in men's health provided a prism of how to give advice, but the advice I gave was really not related to men's health itself. And that being how to deal with your own skeletons in your closet, how to overcome and be more positive on, on, on your outlook, how to set yourself up for success, be a better husband. Men's health gave me the formula of how to talk to men and write for men, but I did it in a way that I think was it was extremely it was personal, but also applicable to the real world. It was pretty early on in the book. You you write that the book is written for the 19.4 million men who grew up in a single parent home or lost their father to divorce, estrangement, or untimely death. Uh, and I'm curious, why did you sort of decide to take up kind of, I'll call it like the role of sort of being the conduit for that particular audience? Yeah, great question. There's not a single book on the market, except for Rookie Father, that addresses new dads who may not have had it one themselves growing up. And it's an interesting thing because when you think about that format and you think about how the divorce rate went to 50% really from the late 60s and stayed there all the way through the early nineties. Mm -hmm. And there were so many kids like me that didn't have a regular father, father figure. And today the kids raised in the nineties that 19.4 million are kids that were raised in the nineties that are in or entering their parenting stage. And I want to give them a playbook with another, not alone that there's many men like this, but also when you are raised in that context, you know, most men rely on their dad and their fatherly advice, the wisdom, their tonality, I had one dad this week speak about how he models his coaching methodology or his approach like his dad did it. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. And I have nothing like that. Mm -hmm. So I had to look and pull different ideas of how I wanted to coach my son when I was doing so. And it's the same thing with fatherhood. And if you can give some advice or some context around that, um, I think it's more helpful than not. You cover so many different themes in the book. In the feedback that you've gotten from folks who have read it or folks who have reviewed it or other uh, interviews that you've done on other podcasts, have you gotten any feedback on specific topics or specific chapters that uh, people have said that was the most impactful section of your book for me? Yeah, another great question. And I think the, the two pieces of feedback, the one that's more serious and that is feels like it's mission accomplished on my end is when... When people respond and talk to me about how important it is to be communicative as a father and really focusing on explaining how you feel, not letting things simmer with your wife so it blows up in a fight. That's like the worst case scenario. And, and I think most guys get it, especially millennial dads. Millennial dads are locking into that philosophy. I think they're really they're appreciating it. They're relating to it. They're very flexible, open-minded generation. And the other feedback I get is when people outside the demo, like my mother-in-law was reading the book, and I followed up like a month after she got a copy, and I said, hey, what do you think of the book? She said, well, on page 200, Kendall, this thing's like reading a Bible. It's too long. I'm like, well, don't read it page one to page 300. What are you doing? So, so sure. that's pretty much the gist so far. I found the book to be... Like it's there, there's an overwhelming number of positive outlooks, moments of like positive out. Frequently, you're sort of reminded to um, view a situation in a positive light or 
so many chapters end with a, a um, you know, sort of like a rah, rah kind of statement, like a, you got this, you can do this, you know, and they're almost like affirmations kind of. Um, mm-hmm. And I just wonder going into writing the book, like, are you just a really naturally, do you have that outlook on life or did, when you were kind of starting the process of writing this book, was that one of your goals to always sort of embed these positive outlooks? I, I think it was just more of I can't say it's my natural outlook in life, but I think as I progress as a parent and I went back to rework this because I reworked this when my son was probably a year and a half to four years old, if not five. Hmm. And I think it's amazing when, as you're editing, you know, when you first write it, you know, you, you do want to end with something that's proactive and positive, mm. but just the experience of being a dad and my childhood versus what my son is experiencing and what I have with my father versus what, what Connor has with me. And it's, you can't help but end on a more positive outlook. And the other thing is also is that there's so much negativity in our society as negative as the world is, if you could focus on your family and giving a much better experience to your children than you had yourself, even if you had parents, your mom and dad, let's say your dad had some bad habits. If you can course correct on that and just do a, give them a slightly better experience, then you, you've kind of, you've made the world a little bit better. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting point that I want to make sure our, our listeners know. You mentioned whether you grew up in a household with a father or a father figure, or you didn't, you obviously are writing this from a place of uh, of growing up without a dad in the picture, at least, you know, after what the age of six or seven is that? Uh, yeah, my parents separated six, divorced at nine, and we were estranged when I turned 13. So you're, you're writing the book from that perspective and the section of the father population whose experience reflects yours will get so much out of this book. But this book isn't just for new dads who didn't have a dad in their life growing up. I mean, there, there is so much here that's applicable to any new parent, not even just dads. I mean, there's so much that mom, new moms could get out of this as well. I was just going to jump in with a, a question that I've been thinking about. Uh, one of the things that you write about, Kendall, is, uh, is finances, uh, which is something that we, we haven't really touched on a lot um, in our 60-something episodes of Modern Dadhood. This concept of how to be fiscally responsible, uh, how to save money, you know, uh, investment uh, opportunities for young parents. I wonder if maybe you could give just a quick overview to our listeners about what they're going to learn on the topic of finances from Rookie Father. Sure. I'm glad to talk about it. And I think the, the it comes from a, from the standpoint of what can you do to eliminate stress worries about money and fighting with your spouse about, about money. The point of view is if you can get in lockstep with your wife with a game plan and that game plan really, it's a 20 year outlook when you're before, when your child was born, it'll change and adapt. But the key thing you have to focus on or what I recommend for guys to think about is, is looking at their income and managing it as it comes in, saving for specific uh, goals. And then almost, thinking about and putting off five steps beyond what you have to do first, there are some rewards like a high end luxury car, like the big four bedroom house, like these big, huge materialistic things should come last to saving for retirement for saving for a 529. And in the inflationary environment, what can you do to ensure that you enjoy the luxuries, but you cut back where you can. So you're not, you're saving as much as you need to, 
for your retirement, your 529 college savings plan, et cetera. In the book to talk about the benefits of doing it early and just consistently. No, that's such, I mean, it's such huge advice. Like start early. It's panic inducing to start thinking about it. You know, there's, there's already a lot going on in your life when you're bringing a child into the world. Right. And then if you, you start thinking about these timelines, right. Well, in 18 years, you know, and you start thinking about these numbers, $60,000 a year or up to a hundred thousand dollars a year, there's anxiety that, that comes along with it. But man, if you can just wrap your head around how much more panic inducing and, and, and how much more anxiety there would be if you don't act on it early. Actually, I just thought of something as, as we're sitting here talking. So I'm trying to do the math. You, you had mentioned a couple of times when you started the process of writing the book, how old your son was. I wonder things change often when you have kids, especially young kids, right? There's phases, there's, there's new life experiences and kids grow and change an awful lot. And I just wonder, like, have you gone back through the book and has your interpretation changed at all uh, um, in the years since you've started writing the book? No, that's a great question. I would say certain sections, it's funny, certain sections like uh, the, the section of the book called Your Legacy or the advice about in-laws mm. or even the advice about your wife about how to, dis- how to de-escalate, how to resolve conflict. I think it's still fresh. I still agree with everything I wrote, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I see it more as like, okay, I wrote that book for when you're either expecting a brand new parent and that first, maybe first two years of life. And now I'm thinking about it. I've made notes and I haven't started it, but I'm thinking, okay, then maybe the next book about fatherhood is when your child is two years old to kindergarten. So is that next chapter, the next book about a different phase in a child's life? Something that comes up a lot on this, on this show is, you know, we, we talk about like the idea of the father figure, Adam and I both, um, our dads were in the picture, but we talked to a, a lot of folks that whose dads weren't around or they never knew their dads or they had a rough relationship with their dads, uh, or they were there, but they were checked out. And, you know, I think part of the, uh, general, uh, ethos of this show really is to sort of explore that role now in this moment, you know, because things have shifted and, and things have changed, but nevertheless, I mean, we all sort of, when we become parents, we sort of look to the people in our lives for role models as ways to model behavior or to figure out how we're going to approach a situation. And some of it's conscious and some of it's unconscious. And we've established that, that maybe you didn't have a father in, in the picture, but what were some of the people in your life that you really looked to as those, those role models? So it's interesting. When I looked at, when I was six years old, and my parents, I vividly remember my, my father leaving around the time of eight, maybe nine, I started paying attention to other dads in the neighborhood, teachers, um, Boy Scout leaders, coaches. And I just started looking at uh, how men handle situations, the stress. I saw dads that were handling improperly and not doing what they should have been doing. I saw other dads just cool and collected. I saw, I mean, I just had such a variety, but I was dialed in. My antennas were up when I was, when I was growing up more than most, because I knew I wanted to be a father one day. And the beauty about fatherhood and about children is a child is a clean slate. The child doesn't care about your baggage, doesn't care about how if you got abused, neglected, ignored. No one can, the child does not care when they enter your life. And it's up to you to, to define fatherhood for yourself. 
And it'll, of course, adapt over time, but at least to have that thought initially, it'll make you more prepared to be father. The book's called Rookie Father, a playbook for men experiencing fatherhood for the first time. You can go to therookiefather.com to learn more about it. Uh, Kendall also has a blog there. Kendall, we always recommend that people try their local shops yes. first. If they don't have it on the shelf, they can order probably order it uh, onto their shelves. But do you have anywhere specific that you like to direct people to pick up the book? Local retailers need all the help they can get. They're, um, they're wonderful community establishments. Uh, indie bounds a number of places to find it and then i'm on you can find me on the rookie father at instagram facebook and then author kendall uh, is my handle on twitter we'll include links to all of the things that you just mentioned in our episode notes and we want to thank you so much for making time to chat with us today kendall it was really really nice getting to know you wish you best of luck with the book and with your family and hope to stay in touch with you thanks kendall appreciate it thanks adam thanks mark for being on your show take care Mark, so do you do you remember how we ended up collecting all of these recordings of dad jokes that we're about to share with the listeners? Sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, it was years ago we intended to do an episode <laughs> about dad jokes, and it just never happened. And so we have had a bunch of these collected just sort of waiting to rear their heads and make us all laugh. It's safe to blame that on COVID, though, right? We started that venture when when we all in our naivety, thought that COVID was not going to be around for a long time. Naivete at its finest. Indeed. But anyway, we've had these just sitting here waiting, and what better time than Father's Day weekend 2022 to kick things off in style with a bunch of dad jokes from our awesome listeners. Crank up the tape machine. Hey guys, it's Garrett from Dallas, Texas. Two ants are sitting around, and one looks at the other and says, Hey, why don't we have to worry about this COVID-19 thing? The other ant says, It's simple. We have antibodies. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, uh, ding. Hey guys, big fan. This is Brian from Wisconsin. Um, it's not a great joke, but it's one that I use every time, and I find it very funny every time, is when one of the kids tells me they are anything. I am hungry. I am tired. I am frustrated. Uh-huh. I repeat that back with, hi, I'm tired. I'm dad. Mm-hmm. And ding, they ding, think ding. it's funny. I think it's funny. Also, think you guys would be remiss if you didn't talk about the greatest dad joke of all time in cinema history, which is Dr. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park pretending to electrocute himself. Just throwing Ooh. that one out there. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. A dad joke in 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 the natural world. Well, uh, I just heard an amazing fact. Uh, oh, thought you back. guys would be interested in it. Did you guys know that uh, by talking to the cows, it increases increases their milk production? Yeah, it goes one ear in one ear and right out the other. I screw up the delivery, but I think you get the point. I died laughing. The kid, uh, yeah, uh, for delivery, but but ding yeah. for the joke. I mean, that was good. That was good. It was good. Hey guys, this is Tom in Exeter, New Hampshire. What does an annoying pepper do? It gets jalapeno face. 
Ooh. <laughs> I, I give it a ding. Ding. <laughs> definitely going to get definitely going to get laughs from children. Hey dude, it's your brother Brian. Today my daughter asked, "Can I have a bookmark?" and I felt like crying. 11 years old, she still doesn't know my name is Brian. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and you have a brother named Mark. Hey, That's brother it. Brian again. Oh, have you snap. heard about the movie Constipation? Yeah, it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Oh. Hey, it's Brian again, your brother. <laughs> See, think about dad jokes. It's just not how bad they are. But the lengths to which dads will go simply to deliver the perfect one-liner. See, for example, we don't Uh-oh. drink soy milk, but I will go to the store to buy soy milk specifically to serve to my children so that I could have this conversation. Hey, buddy, what are you drinking? And he says... Soy milk. And I say, Hola, milk, soy padre. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding. Yeah, ding. I mean, ding for effort, 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello, Adam and Mark. This is Seth from York, Maine, with a dad joke. Here it goes. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. I knew it was coming, but still, but still, ding, ding. Well done, sir. Hey, Adam, it is Joel from Gorham, Maine. (laughs) How do you make a tissue dance? Oh, I know this one. You put a little boogie in it. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom. Tail is old as time. That's a a crowd killer every time. Hey, guys, Nick from Canada. Hey, uh, why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? They are really good at it. Also, hey, do you guys hear about the uh, that zoo that only had one dog? Yeah, it was a shit zoo. <laughs> I don't get the first one, but <laughs> give a ding for the second one. <laughs> ding, ding. Hey, guys, this is Troy Garman from Lebanon, Pennsylvania. I just wanted to know if you guys had heard about the guy that got his left side cut off. Don't worry, he's all right now. <laughs> ding! <laughs> I love it. That was great. These are great. Ding ding. Hey guys, this is Jet from Glendale, Arizona. What do you call a waffle on the beach? A San Diego. <laughs> what do you call a team that's home during this time? A quarantine. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. All a right. ding. A ding and an ah <laughs> for me. For me. Hey guys, this is Seth calling from Los Angeles. What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the janitor's closet? Supplies! <laughs> oh, Ding. wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'll let it slide. Hey guys, it's Scott from Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Have you heard about the new pirate movie? It's rated R! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love you, Scott, but man, that's uh, that's an old one. That's I'm gonna give nothing it, fresh. I'm going to give it a ding for the, the, the voice. This like is the Andrew voice. from Epping, New Hampshire. I asked Robin Hood if he wanted to take a walk in the forest with me. He said, sure would. <laughs> of 
<laughs> oh yeah. Ding ding. ding. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Hey guys, this is Tommy Slough from Hampstead, New Hampshire. So what's the best time to go to the dentist? Tooth hurty. <laughs> yes. Of course oh, it is. Of course it is. Oh, that was so is, near Tommy. and dear yes. to my heart. I love that one. My dad was a dentist. Yeah. Do you have any dad jokes you want to share? Uh, I, I should have come prepared. You really should have. Oh, here's one. It's not a really a dad joke because my eight-year-old told it to me. I see. And it's not even really a joke. You'll get it when I tell you this. Okay. What has four letters, mm-hmm. sometimes has nine, mm-hmm. but never has five? Hmm. I don't know. What? No, I'm just telling you. What has four letters, sometimes has nine, never has five. It's just a fact. That's good. Did she brought that to you? Yeah, she came to me with that. Oh. Adam, knock, knock. Who's there? The interrupting cow. The interrupting Moo. cow. Hey, Mark. Uh-huh. Knock, <laughs> knock. Oh, well, who's there? Europe. Europe who? No, Mark. You're a poo. But I didn't. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um. Oh. Um. Knock knock. Yes. Who's there? The paranoid interrupting cow. <laughs> the paranoid. You interrupting- liar. Adam, should we close out the episode? As much as I don't want to. Yeah, me neither. Because I feel like this episode should go on forever. We should, yeah. All good things come to an end. Well, dads, you can find Modern Dadhood, the podcast, at moderndadhood.com or wherever you like to listen. Uh, That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Jokecasts, Dad Pods. Silly pod. Laughify. You go to Laughify. <laughs> Laughify. L A F F. Yeah. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a very quick rating and a review. Doesn't have to take long, makes a big difference to us. And the other thing is, please, as you're gathering with your friends and family this weekend, mention Modern Dadhood to somebody and tell them how much you just love this show tell them tell them how you can't you can barely go two weeks without listening to an episode you can follow modern dadhood on instagram and on facebook uh, we throw some stuff up on youtube so subscribe uh, follow us in all of those places if you do find yourself on the website you can um, pick up a t-shirt or a very very comfortable modern dad hoodie those are for sale on the website also you can drop us a line anytime you want at hey at modern You can write in, ask us about maybe any of the guests we've had or suggest some topics, you know, or if you think there's somebody that we should try to to have on the show, let us know. Or just write in to say, guys, happy Father's Day. 
We want to give thanks to Casper Baby Pants and Spencer Albee, as always, for the music in our podcast. We want to thank Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for always making us uh, sound great. And we want to thank Kendall Smith uh, for the awesome chat and hope that he sells lots of copies of his new book. Mar- March? <clears throat> Marseille? And thank you for listening.